pastor was preaching this morning, or using in his text, uh, out of the book of Acts, and he made mention that the book of Acts is not a doctrinal book. It is not where you go to establish doctrine, and that's true. Uh, the book of Acts is historical, as he said. It's also transitional. And, uh, and you, you don't establish uh, your doctrine there. It helps to fulfill it. It helps you to understand it. But that's not where you go to establish it. Tonight we're in the book of Romans. That is a doctrinal book. It is highly doctrinal. That's where you do want to go when you want to understand the, the doctrines of the faith. And uh, although we'll be touching upon one particular one tonight, and it's basically salvation. So, but a question that I would ask is, uh, what sin or sins would cause a person to go to that place called H-E double hockey sticks? <laughs> we are in mixed company. <laughs> what sin or sins would commit a person to eternal damnation? You know, when I was growing up, I, I grew up, as many of you know, in the Catholic Church. And they had classifications for sin. Not that I understood it. I was probably always on the bad side anyway. So, uh, there was mortal sins and menial sins. And there were things you were to do or not do. Uh, a lot of things to do. And, uh, but what sin would commit a, that you would commit? would be the one, if you will, to where your, your eternal destiny is, secure, is just basically set. Well, people will say a different things. And then, you know, there's another thing that, that I want to bring into the mix before I go into the passage of Scripture is there's a lot of times people don't understand God's plan for the ages. They'll get scripture, they'll get doctrinal teaching in little bites, little bite-sized pieces. And they'll never fully understand the full spectrum of what God has laid out. And so it's very hard sometimes for people to understand the, the connection of the Old Testament and New Testament, the Old Covenant and New Covenant. And... Uh, how did people get saved back then? How did they get saved today? Is it different? So that's where we're going to be tonight. And I dare say that there's only one way of salvation. There's always been only one way of salvation. And the scriptures teach that and show that in examples that it is given, especially as Paul gives to us in the book of Romans. And I'll try to elaborate a little bit more on that. But back to my other question, what sin or sins will commit a person to eternal damnation? There's only one. Do you know which one it is? It is, in a sense, the unpardonable sin. But what is that sin? Unbelief. That is what determines destiny. Everything else determines the intensity of the flame. But there's only one that commits you to that place, and that's unbelief. Be very careful. 
that your religion doesn't stand in the way of a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Be very careful that you, in your own mind, don't convince yourself of something that's not true. We'll go to our passage in Romans chapter 4. Let's look at the first five verses. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him or accounted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. We will continue on <coughs> excuse me, a little bit farther and go into where it talks about David in a little bit, in a moment. And, uh, and we're going to make a comparison between Abraham and David and how, how it all stacks up in salvation. And so as we're going along, there's, there's usually three words that are often floated out there uh, in, reference, in reference to understanding salvation. And the words are justified, justification, sanctified or sanctification, and of course glorification. And we're always told that these three kind of comprise the, the entirety of you, if you will, of your salvation. Justification is, is what happens in a once-in-a-lifetime event. And, uh, and that's when you come to faith. I want to challenge a little bit because sometimes in our Western thought or in culture, we misinterpret what may be said. I think in trying to simplify things, we, we really muddy it up. And so a lot of times they talk about justification as being just as if you'd never sinned. Well, in a sense, yes, but I caution you not to hold too hard onto that, that explanation, if you will, or that definition. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. Because... That's not exactly the case of what justification is. And so we're going to go in and show it in the life of Abraham and David and, uh, and talk a little bit more about it, about what it is. So justification is often presented as just as if you'd never sinned. Well, that's not true because you have sinned. And uh, so I want to I give you a different definition, if you will, to ponder and to think about. Justification actually is that you are declared righteous by God, even though you aren't. You are declared righteous, and he knows you're not, and you know you're not. But as far as anything is concerned, as far as he is, he declares you righteous, your life, even after salvation, shows that you're not. But there's a lot of difference between when somebody says that you have been just as if you'd never sinned 
There's a, a, a lot of difference in there between that and saying that God knows that you did it, He knows how much you did it, and He just says, because of the relationship that you place your faith in Christ, He says, I declare you righteous. I know different, but you're declared righteous. And when He looks at you, He's looking through the prism of Jesus Christ's blood. And that's why he could say, I declare you righteous. I know you weren't. I know you aren't. And you're still not. You're working your way, hopefully, to get better about it. You'll never make it until he helps you out of that. But until that day, because of that one-time event, you have now been declared righteous. You're not righteous don't pretend that you were. So be very careful with the terminology because even though, yes, it might be a little easier to try to conceptualize just as if I'd never sinned, it really kind of is not true because God doesn't wipe all that out until that final day you still add to the mix, so to speak, although he declares you righteous in his sight. So I enjoy just trying to think through the teachings of Scripture. So look with me again as we begin to look at Abraham. <coughs> there's, a, there's a sharp contrast in, in between Abraham and David that's going to be presented and the biggest contrast is, and I would like you to think about, is that Abraham was declared righteous long before the law ever came into play. 430 years before the law came in. David, on the other hand, was born and lived under the law. Where's the last mix of that? The last mix comes with you and I. See, and this is where people confuse today the purpose of God's Old Testament, the purpose of the law of God and why it was given. Is it, and people today will say, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Well, when they say that, a lot of times they're confusing what the purpose of the law was. And, uh, and so when we get into this, if you would read the chapter before this, in chapter 3, it talks about sin, it talks about the law. Matter of fact, in verse 20 of chapter 3, it said, The law was given so that you would know sin. <clears throat> it was given, it was added because people did not understand that they were sinners. And so God says, okay, I'm going to put it all down in writing for you. Now you have it standing right there before you. And you look at it and you say, no, I, I missed that one. So... There was nothing that the law could do to save you. The only thing the law was able to do was show you just how bad you were. It couldn't help you out of it because the law cannot save. The law is righteous. It will tell you when you've done something wrong. And so, but the law can't save. But what about Abraham? How, about, how, how did Abraham get saved as compared to how did David get saved? They both got saved the same way. The same way you and I get saved. It is only by grace through faith. It is only by believing 
in what God says and who God is and his plan, his redemption plan. That is the only and has been the only method and purpose of salvation. It has always been by grace through faith, believing in God. So it goes back to the first question. What is it? What sin commits a person to eternal damnation? Unbelief. It was well stated. Unbelief. Not believing God. So, with that in mind then, let's go back to the scripture. (coughs) If I make it. (coughs) Excuse me. So it says in here in the first five verses... And we, might, we have to define justified. It said we're Abraham. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was imputed, given to him as righteousness. Now it's talking about a, an event that is recorded in chapter 12 of Genesis, if you will, where Abraham and God, God was speaking to him and, he, and, and he, God said something and Abraham believed God. And right then and there, it said that God imputed it to him as righteousness. Believing by faith, he, he believed what God said, and he trusted in that. He trusted in all he knew of God. Pastor Jim says this often. Just take everything you know about you and everything you know about God and just believe in God. And just You, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know what he said. Now, it's a good idea, as Keith says, to go in and try to find out the rest of the story. Don't, don't just lay back and say, that's all I want to know. I don't want to know anymore. That, now, that, there's a, I got a problem with that. <coughs> I think God would have a problem with that. But you just take everything you know about God. How is it that an unbeliever who has never been under the teaching of Scripture can come to be saved and truly saved? In a moment, in the first time that they ever entered in underneath, underneath the gospel. How is it that that could happen? Because they knew, whatever they knew about God, they believed it. And from that point on, from that point on, God could take that soul and do something with them. And isn't it true that a lot of times some of the most energetic, some of the most wonderful people that work for the Lord are those that weren't raised in religion. Because they don't have all that baggage to hold. You come into a pure, undefiled belief of God, and then he could just pour it in from there. And what a wonderful experience that a lot of times these new believers can really kind of bring shame upon us that have been around a while, you know, and we think we've got, I'm, I'm, I think I'm all right with God, you know. I, I, I think I got it. I've studied up, you know. I don't have to read it this year, <laughs> you know. Maybe not that extreme, but there are times that people fail to continue to learn. They fail to continue to desire that fellowship with God through his word. There's something wrong in the relationship when that occurs. But it said that Abraham believed God. It was salvation by faith, without the law. You see that? 
Abraham did not have the law of God at that point. The, the Old Testament, if you will, the old law, it was the Old Testament, but the old law wasn't in effect until 400 years later when Moses and children of Israel come out of Egypt. But at that point, God saved Abraham. And he's lifted up to us. And it's not by works. It says it right there. It wasn't by works. It wasn't because he did something. It wasn't even because he... What, what is it that made him go where he went when God called him? Well, he believed God. He believed it was God. He knew what God was saying. He followed it. What does that show you? He, he, he believed God. He just followed what God said. But it wasn't works that got him saved. It was his believing in God. It's simple. Don't make it more than it is. And uh, he was declared righteous without the law by faith. And uh, <coughs> contrast that, if you will. Turn with me to James, the book of James, chapter 2, verse 21. <coughs> There's a lot of people that get confused here as well. And it talks about in James 2.21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? It says, you see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. Let me take for a moment and just help this out a little bit. It's not saying that he was saved by his works. He was in a sense Justified. It's a different application of the same word. That's where our English language kind of fails us. But the topic in James chapter 2 is faith. The topic is faith, not salvation. And so his faith was justified by the things that he did. His faith was proved by him offering up Isaac. You see where it's getting a little different in there. It was justified. His faith was justified. And his faith was perfected. It wasn't talking about his salvation at that point. See, some people then take the book of James. Some religions take the book of James. Faith without works is dead. It's talking about faith. It's talking about a faith that if your faith can't make you do something for God, or that has no effect, it has no uh, experience behind it, what kind of faith was it that you had to place in God? It was dead. There was nothing there. So the topic being discussed in James is faith, not salvation. You see. And so when it says, was not Abraham justified by his works? And then it says his faith was perfected. The whole chapter has to be taken into consideration. Because when it says faith without works is a dead faith. And if your faith doesn't have anything to, no basis, then how is it that that kind of faith got you salvation? It wasn't real. It had no substance. That is the topic of the book of James. So do not confuse that in the mix there. And so I wanted to throw that in. Because it all, if you don't throw it in, people will say, well, he didn't, he didn't go over there, so he doesn't understand that. And uh, so I wanted to bring it in because I want you to see that it is faith and faith alone 
in believing God that brings salvation. But that faith better have some substance to it. And if it does have substance, it's going to prove itself. You see, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And even that faith wasn't of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. Otherwise, somebody could boast. And that's what it said right here in Romans 4. He, if, if it was because he did something, he would have a reason to boast. But it's not because he did something. It was because he believed God. Ephesians 2.10 then says, For we are his workmanship, created in the Christ Jesus unto good works. Your faith will have some evidences behind it. Otherwise, it's dead. It really wasn't the right kind of faith. That's the topic of the book of James. The topic in Romans is that it's faith and faith alone that saves. And that's what it's talking about. Faith was made real as it showed in Abraham's life, in the way he walked with God, and in the time in Genesis 22 when he took Isaac up on that mountain. And he was about to sacrifice him because that's what God told him to do. He didn't understand it, <coughs> but he was going to sacrifice Isaac. And uh, thank you, Tommy. I've got one down here, but I'll take that one. <laughs> thank you very much, my friend. <coughs> Anybody want to smell it? <laughs> Just checking, you know, you got... If I get a little woozy up here. <laughs> Real faith is going to show itself in how it behaves. How you live your life. If you have no substance to your faith, then you need to have a question as to whether you truly believe. It's not real. There's no conflict. And that's confirmed again in Ephesians so now we have, and I'm going to be moving on to David in a moment. Abraham and David are two of the most honored individuals in the, in the Jewish faith. And uh, in, in all, even in our faith, they're two people that we look to for great uh, opportunities to understand how to live a life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham is known as the father of faith. David is known as a man after God's own heart. Abraham lived before the law, and David lived under the law. And you and I, as Gentiles, I've often heard people say, I'm not under the law, but I'm under grace. But a lot of times, I'm not sure I understand why they're saying that. Because if they don't know what the purpose of the law was for God then it probably has, I'm, I'm trying to question, I try to find out, well, what do you mean when you say that? You know, you, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Does that mean that as long as you think it's okay, it's okay? <clears throat> I don't know what the answer to that is. I'd have to question them and find out what's your understanding of God's way of salvation? What's your understanding of God's plan of salvation? Do you understand what sin is? Because if you don't understand what sin is, what are you being saved from? So there's the purpose of the law. 
You have to understand the sin. So let's move on into verses 6 and following, 6 through 8 in, in chapter 4. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those, it quote quotes, whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. This is a man that was under the law. This is a man that you know messed up a couple of times. Well, more than a couple of times. Maybe half, half as much as I did. And uh, we know he messed up. We know that he cre- committed some heinous sins with having adulterous relationship. Lying. Sending that man out to be killed in the, in the heat of battle. And instructing his general to pull back leaving him up front in the hottest part of the battle to ensure that he gets killed. (coughs) This was a man that did all that, as well as other things. And you might say, how can that man be saved? Which sins? But you see, did you ever read Psalm 51? This is a psalm that David prayed, I think, and wrote. After that particular event, where David says in Psalm 51, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. And done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. I'm going to stop right there. That's quite a lengthy read. <coughs> but we know David sinned, and that David sinned greatly, and he repented. And David was under the law. So what opportunities did he have? What, you know, what did he have as recourse to his sin? Really, the law couldn't save him. So what did he, and why is he stated to be a man after God's own heart, after all he did? It's because he sought after God, just because, and just like you and I, we mess up. And if you'll come back to God and confess your sin, 1 John 1, 9 tells us, 
He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all that unrighteousness. See, David was not righteous, and neither am I, neither are you. But he was declared righteous, and it's declared in this psalm as well. He came in repentance to God, believing God and believing in the grace of God, and God gave him forgiveness. God imputed to him, and he said, Blessed is the man who God does not impute the unrighteousness or sin. He knew God's plan of salvation. He knew he was a sinner. And all of us must come to that understanding and realization as well, that we know we're sinners. We have a recourse. And the law is necessary because you have to understand that you're a sinner before you can understand that God's a Savior and that he will save you. And it's as simple as putting and believing in God. But you've got to truly believe. And that belief is going to change your life. And that's what the scriptures teach. <clears throat> Faith is what saved David. Not his works. Not any offerings or burnt offerings that he could offer. Faith shows that God is the only one who can justify by declaring us righteous. By not imputing our sin to us. You see, that's what Christ did for us. God took your sin and he imputed it on the Christ on the cross. And then he took Christ's righteousness and he imputes that or puts that in your account. It's because of that transaction when you believe in Jesus Christ that God can say, I declare you righteous now. You're not righteous, but I can declare you that way. Because you believed in my plan. You believed in my provision of salvation. Christ on the cross, paying the penalty for your sin. And he imputes that righteousness to your account. Just like he did to Abraham, just like he did with David. He imputes it to us. He gives it to you. And from that point on, you are justified. Declared righteous before God. I halt to try to say the other explanation. Though it can be true in, its, in a sense, I caution myself not to use it because it confuses people. And they think, I've never sinned. Don't fool yourself. You've been declared righteous. That's what justification is. You're wicked. I could say that. I got, uh, I got, I got proof of that. Pictures. <laughs> His righteousness was given to our account. Psalm 51, David cried out, Have mercy on me, O God. He said, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me. He said, I acknowledge my transgressions. He repented. He confessed. He said, Behold, you desire the inner truth, in verse 6. And then in verse 7, he said, Purge me, and I'll be clean. I'll be whiter than snow. And then he said, Create in me, verse 10, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. He said, Then 
I'll teach transgressors your ways. There's the evidence of that salvation. And sinners will be converted unto thee. We're justified by faith. Just as they were, today you are, or can be. I don't know if you are. God knows. Abraham did it before circumcision, did it before the law. He was not saved by the law. He was saved by faith and faith alone. Today, many people will believe that they are saved because they joined a church, said a prayer, did good works. That's the worst one. They try to pay it off before God. You'll never do it. You have to come to God believing in what he did for you. And then he will impute to you the righteousness of Christ. That's salvation by faith. That may be what you need to do tonight or what you need to understand fully and completely as a saint of the living God. Understand that what he did is what you needed. And it's that simple. I pray that there might be someone tonight. God has brought an understanding of a need that you may have. If you've been playing the game of church, or if you've been trying to work it on your own, tonight give it up. Give it up to God and let him save you. Keith, would you come? And would you stand? I'm just going to pray. I'm going to give an opportunity for God to work on you. I'm not going to prolong an invitation. I pray that God's Spirit will do what only He can do. Father, I give to you this time, we ask that your word will bring understanding in the depths of our heart. And may you bring forth the fruit of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.